Good morning, church. So lovely to see you here this morning. Thank you for joining us. Can I please invite everyone to stand? We want to go into a time of worship. And I just feel like the Lord is saying today that you are His beloved one, that He washes you with mercy. He washes you with His peace day after day after day after day. And He wants to refresh your mind, refresh your experiences day after day because He is with you and He is for you. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word that you are washing us daily with your love, with your mercy, with your peace, Father. Thank you that you are solidifying us from the inside out, that we will be secure in you, that we will know that we are loved by our Father who created the heavens and the earth. Lord, that you are the one that we can sing our praises to. For you alone are worthy, Lord. You're worthy of worship, of praise, of honor, of glory, Father. And we just thank you that we get to be a part of your vision, be a part of your family, be a part of your church. Thank you for your presence that is here, that is with us always, Father, that we are never alone. Father, thank you that we get to sit at your feet and receive your words, Lord, and they are transforming our minds, transforming our hearts, transforming our lives. Thank you that we get to share that word with the world, that they may know that you are good and only good, and we bless your name. We praise your name. We exalt you, Father God. We're so aware of who you are in us now. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen, amen. So let's testify, let's sing of his goodness and his love and his mercy. Started. Oh, our God will finish what He started. This 
When the floods came, when the wind blew, I was okay. You were right there. You're in every step I take. When the night falls, when my heart aches, if I stumble, I will not break. You'll be right there. You're in every step I take. When the rain fell, when the rain fell, when the floods came, when the wind blew, I was okay. You were right there. You're in every step I take. When the night falls. When my heart aches, if I stumble, I will not break. You'll be right there. You're in every step I take. Oh, you're my shepherd. You're my keeper. My provider. My protector. You surround me. You're in every step I take. You're the goodness. You're the constant. You surround me. You're in every step I take. You are with me, Father. You're for me. Fear will never conquer me. I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. I'm never abandoned. Oh, fear will never conquer.
to 
we will not fall, Lord. That, you, that we are building on you, Lord. Our firm foundation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. You may please take your seats, everyone. Can we give it up for the worship team? There is nothing like the presence of the Holy Spirit who is with us, who is tangible. Amen. If we could just soak that in, I believe we will experience something supernatural. So it's my privilege and honor to welcome you to Nice Vineyard today. My name is Chloe, for those of you who don't know who I am, and I'm a part of the staff team here, and it's a privilege and an honor to be here with you. So moving on to offering. Yes, this is awesome. This is exciting. I want us to read together in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 8, which says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. I think the scripture speaks for itself, but it's saying that when we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. But when we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. It's simple physics, you know? Some things are just the way that they are. And I wanna really encourage you today that God wants to multiply your seed. He is in the multiplication business. So as you're sowing seeds bountifully, you can expect a harvest. You can expect to reap something abundantly because he wants you to have it. God wants you to abound. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He wants you to have more than enough and extra that you can continue to sow and sow and sow and sow and sow. And this is my word for this year. And I wanna share it with you that, man, I'm gonna go out and sow seed and let God multiply that seed. And we can multiply seed, you can sow seeds in different ways. It can be with your time, with your words, however it may be, but financially, we are going to sow a seed and expect a bountiful harvest, amen. I mean, so there's multiple ways to give. They, you can find them in your newsletters. They're also on the screen behind me. We will have cash boxes available at the end of the service. So if you wanna give a cash offering, you're more than welcome to do that. So we bless your seed, may it, Produce bountifully. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jan is going to share an awesome, awesome message with us this morning. So have a blessed one. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Uh, wonderful to see you all this morning. As Chloe mentioned, my name is Janu, and I have a privilege of sharing the word this morning. And we've been doing a great series, and we're going to continue with that today. But as I said, we, we've been doing a series on, on foundations, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. I hope you've learned a lot so far. And it, it's so important for us to have a, a strong spiritual foundation in life. And we can always get more rooted 
in foundational beliefs. You know, when you build a building, you lay a foundation once and, and that is it. But with spiritual foundations, it, it's more like a tree. You know, with the roots, it can go deeper and deeper. And I believe that's how it should be for us as believers. Obviously, you know, these foundations can help new believers, but even for mature believers, it can help you to get more rooted in foundational beliefs. So in Hebrews 6, uh, verse 1 to 3 there, where uh, we've been using this passage as our theme scripture for the series, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So the doctrine we're going to focus on today is uh, the doctrine of baptisms. Now you'll notice there that it's called the doctrine of baptisms, not the doctrine of baptism. And the reason for that is there, there is more than one baptism in the New Testament. There's actually three of them, and we're going to look at all three of them today, give you an overview, and I believe it will help you to have a better understanding of, of, of these baptisms. But one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Acts. And I think as believers, we should always make sure to not view the book of Acts as just a history book. Because sometimes we can read it and think, yo, it's wonderful what God did through the, the early church and all the wonderful miracles and things that they experienced and, and how effective they were. But it, it's not just a history book. It's a pattern book for us as believers. It's a model showing us what a healthy church should look like. And if, if we want to experience what they experienced in the book of Acts, we need to do what they did we need to believe what they believed, and we need to value what they valued. And one of the things the early church in the book of Acts really valued and practiced, you know, was baptism. And not just one baptism, but all the baptisms we find in the new covenant. And I think something we sometimes view as, you know, something that can be good or optional, they viewed as, as essential, and again, you know, it's a pattern book for us, showing us what is important, showing us how the church should operate, what the church should practice, and what the church should believe. So we're going to look at a few examples from the book of Acts today too, and just how the early church really valued and emphasized baptisms. But the, the Greek word for baptism is the word baptismos, and it means to be fully immersed. In fact, the, the oldest use of a word uh, was a, you know, they, they used it to describe a, a, an old garment or cloth uh, that was put into a vat of dye, and they left it in there to completely change its color, and when they took it out, it looked completely different because it changed. And that is a picture of what happens to us in baptism too. Because the moment we say yes to Jesus, we are changed completely. And it's from the inside out, that change always starts from the inside but it also manifests on the outside and we look different after we say yes to Jesus. But it's just interesting to note that that is a, um, one of the, the things they used that word baptism for. So it really gives us a picture of something that is changing. But the first baptism I want us to look at today is the baptism into the body of Christ. And we find this baptism in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13, where Paul says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So the first baptism we see here is the baptism into the body of Christ. 
This baptism occurs the moment we get born again. So the moment we say yes to Jesus and receive him as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. He immerses us into the body of Christ. He makes us part of the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? It is believers. It refers to the church, God's family. So it shows us that we have been make, made part of God's family the moment we got born again. And this shows us that we should value relationship with one another. We should value the local church. And God is so passionate for us to have, you know, healthy relationships with other people in the body of Christ that the moment we got born again, the Holy Spirit baptized us into the body of Christ. You know, God values it and we should value it too. And I love this quote by Tony Cook. And, and for me, this quote really describes what this baptism into the body of Christ is all about. He said, the idea of an exclusively individualistic faith is a foreign concept in the New Testament. We were not born again just to have a personal relationship with God. We also were saved to have a relationship with God's family, with one another. So thank God that we were saved to have a relationship with Him. That is the most important relationship. That is the first and foremost reason why Jesus died for us, so that we could know Him and have an intimate relationship with God. But, but Jesus also saved us so that we could have a, a relationship with God's family, with one another. And the Bible teaches the moment we got saved, the Holy Spirit baptized us into the body of Christ. So thank God for the body of Christ. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27 says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So this baptism also reminds us that we are in Christ now. Because you can't be baptized into the body of Christ if you're not in Christ. And this reminds us that in our, in our relationship with God, we never have to approach God in our own merit, through our own good works, through our own holiness. It's always through Jesus and His finished work. We are in Christ. Isn't that good news? And that's why it's important to be reminded what this baptism is all about. It's, you know, reminding us that we need to value the local church, value life groups, value relationship with God's family, not just with God, but also with God's family. And it reminds us that we are in Christ now and we can always go to God through who Jesus is, not through who we are. Even when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. I'm so glad I don't have to pray in the name of Yanu because Yanu is not perfect, you know, but Jesus is perfect. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, you're praying as if it was Jesus praying through you. So always be reminded that we're in Christ and this baptism reminds us of it. The second baptism, very powerful one, is the baptism in water. In Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20, Jesus said the following. This was the great commission he gave to the church and to his disciples. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this was when Jesus gave a great commission. And the great commission is to make disciples of all the nations. But what is the first thing Jesus said after he said, go and make disciples? Baptize them. 
Even before he said, go and teach them, he said, baptize them. Can you see why baptism is a vital part of being a disciple of Jesus? It's so important for us to value it. Jesus said to make disciples, we need to baptize them. And if we want to be a disciple, we need to be baptized as well. So what is water baptism? And I just want to give you a, a, a few things from the word um, that will, I believe, help you to understand what water baptism is all about. And the first thing is it is obedience to Jesus. I always like to encourage people after they get saved that even if they don't understand a lot about baptism, you know, if they see in the word it's something Jesus commands and they have a desire to do it, I encourage them to go for it. After I got saved, I read a book by Joyce Meyer and in the book she explained what happens to you when you get born again. And in the end of the book, she explained why water baptism should be the next step. And she gave scriptures in the book and I just knew I had to be baptized. But you see, it's obedience to Jesus. Jesus said, as disciples, we need to baptize people and we need to be baptized. And you can follow Jesus and be a Christian without being baptized, but I believe it's important to obey Jesus, don't you? And from the word, I believe the first step is to say yes to Jesus. That is to receive him as our Lord and Savior. But the very next step, according to what Jesus said, should be, to be baptized in water. Now, if we don't obey Jesus in step two, I think we will struggle to obey him in all the other steps. I'm not saying that, you know, we won't obey him. I just think we will struggle if we don't even obey step two. That, that's why it's important. That's why it's powerful. That's why it's significant. Because obeying Jesus is always a, a significant act. And it's never too late. You know, even if you've been a Christian for many years, it's not necessary to be saved, but it is important. And I believe it will enrich your life. The second thing that baptism is, it's a public declaration of your faith in Jesus. Baptism is the deed that expresses what we believe. And when we follow Jesus, we want the world to know that we belong to him. You know, we want to thank him. We want to celebrate our relationship with him. Imagine if nobody knew I was married to my wife. Imagine if I try to keep it a secret. You think that would be a healthy marriage? No, you know, I love wearing my wedding ring. I love, you know, showing the world my beautiful wife because I'm married to her. How much more should we be celebrating our relationship with our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus? And water baptism is a way of publicly declaring and showing the world that we belong to him, that he is our Lord and Savior. It's the deed that expresses what we believe. Then it's also an outward expression of an inward change, something that already took place on the inside of us. And I believe this change uh, is referred to in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, where the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So this is just describing that change that already took place on the inside of you. And that change takes place the moment you say yes to Jesus. But baptism is just an outward expression of that change. And I love what Romans 6 verse 4 says. It says, when we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. So it's like a funeral, you know, when you bury a dead body. Now, when you attend a funeral, is that when the person is dying? 
Now, if a person is already dead, and it's the same in following Jesus, the moment you get born again, the Bible says old things have passed away. The old you is already dead. But it's good to bury that old person. And when you get baptized, you can say, I'm not going to identify with the old me anymore because I am new in Christ now. Can you see why it's so powerful? And I also like to think of a wedding. You know, at a wedding, we have a ceremony where we get married. And then we celebrate it at the reception, at a celebration afterwards. And it's the same with baptism. The moment we get born again, we have a union with Jesus. We are married to him. The Bible says we are the bride of Christ. But it's good to celebrate it. It's good to publicly declare that we belong to him. And that is why we do water baptism. But I believe first and foremost, it is obedience to Jesus. And I want to encourage you today to really look at what the word says. Sometimes people say to me, it's so confusing because churches do it differently. And, you know, my response to that is just, what does the word say? How did the early church do it? I also grew up in a church that taught differently, that had different views about baptism. So all this was new for me as well when I got saved. But the Bible says truth. When you know the truth, it can set you free. Tradition can keep us in bondage if it contradicts the word. The truth of the word and valuing it can set us free. I just want to give you um, some examples in the book of Acts. In Acts 8, verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. So when should we get baptized? After we believe. It's not before we believe. That's why we don't baptize young children in this church. We do baby dedications and we'll do that next week. But according to the word, you need to believe first and then you can get baptized. And people sometimes ask, well, how many times should I get baptized? Well, you can get baptized more than once, but only once is needed if it's real. If you got baptized and you did it to please your mom or to impress people, and you want to get baptized again, then go for it. But we must remember baptism is a symbol of us getting born again. How many times do we get born again? Only once. How many times can we repent, change our minds, turn from, from things? Many times, countless times. But we only get born again once. And I think in our relationship with God, we can sometimes experience great things where we feel like we're getting born again, again, and again. And that's great. But in reality, we only get born again once. So if you got born again and you got baptized, even if you mess up afterwards, repent, turn from it, run to Jesus, but you don't have to be baptized again to be forgiven. You're already forgiven. But baptism should take place after we believe, after we've said yes to Jesus. The only requirement is we have to be born again. Another example is found in Acts 10 where Peter preached to uh, Gentiles, the house of Cornelius, and in verse 44 to 48, it says, Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. After, afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. 
So can you see that the early church considered water baptism vital to being a disciple of Jesus? In fact, in the book of Acts, you will find that every person who got baptized or who came to Jesus in faith also got baptized in water. The early church considered it a vital part of being a disciple of Jesus. I had a great testimony of a, of a man in, a, in, in America. He was actually a Satanist and he, you know, got born again. Was a, a, he has an amazing testimony. But on his back, he had like some kind of satanic tattoo. And the day that he got baptized, he had a white shirt on and he was, you know, ashamed, felt embarrassed. And he thought, oh my goodness, now everyone is going to see this tattoo. And to make a long story short, he got baptized and when he came out, nobody said anything. And he thought to himself, well, you know, Christians are so kind. I'm, I'm so glad they, they're not mentioning it or bringing it up. But when he went into the bathroom afterwards, he saw that that tattoo was washed away after he got baptized. Now, if, if you tell that man that water baptism is just symbolic, he will laugh at your face. He knows it's powerful. It's obedience to Jesus. It's publicly declaring that we belong to him. And it's an outward expression of an inward change. And you know, that is something that happened outwardly that is amazing. It's powerful. But things can happen in your heart too that are even more powerful. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the moment you choose to obey him and to get baptized in water. And as we saw in the book of Acts, let's follow that example. It's not, not just a history book. It's a pattern book for us as believers. Amen. The last baptism I want us to look at today is baptism in the Holy Spirit. And in Matthew 3, verse 11, John the, the, um, the Baptist said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And in the book of Acts, you will also find that people who came to know Jesus got baptized in water, but they also got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in, in fact, you'll find examples in Acts chapter 2, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 19. I can't read all of, all of it to you today because of time, but throughout the book of Acts, you will see that the early church really valued the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They taught people about it, and they prayed for people to receive it. And I just want us to look at one example in Acts 19, where the Bible says, while Apollos was in Corinth, uh, Paul traveled through the interior the regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Now, do you think these people were believers? Do you think they were born again? Absolutely. That's why the Bible says they were believers. They, they weren't unbelievers, but they are called believers because they were already born again. And then the Bible goes on to say in verse 2, Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he wasn't referring to the person of the Holy Spirit because as a believer, the moment you get born again, the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you and he lives in you. But he was referring to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Can you see how important Paul uh, viewed the baptism in the Holy Spirit? He didn't, you know, find these people and told them, you're believers, that's great, bless you brothers, keep on following Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. But he asked them, did you receive a baptism in the Holy Spirit. He knew God had more available for them in life. So he asked him, did you receive it? And the Bible goes on to say, they responded by saying, we, we haven't even heard about it. 
We've only been baptized into John's baptism. And then it says from verse 5, as soon as they heard this, Paul explaining to them water baptism in the New Testament and baptism in the Holy Spirit, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, started praying in tongues and started prophesying over people. And that's the evidence that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, is the ability to pray in tongues. In Acts 1 verse 8, it, uh, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. They already received the person of the Holy Spirit after Jesus, uh, you know, was raised from the dead. But after that, he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit before they went out and did ministry. Now, think about it. These guys walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Do you think they were ready for ministry? I mean, surely, you know, if somebody walked with Jesus, ministered with Jesus, got training from Jesus for so many years, you would think they're ready for ministry. Yet Jesus told them, wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, the early disciples who walked with Jesus for three and a half years needed the baptism in the Holy Spirit to be effective witnesses for Jesus. Don't you think we need it too? Absolutely. Do you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Absolutely not. But you might end up there quicker without the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And some of you will catch that later. But life is too short to miss out on things that God has available for us in life. Anything that God has available for us will be a blessing to us and a blessing to other people. And the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we will receive power to be effective witnesses for Him. And that is really the purpose of a baptism in the Holy Spirit, to be an effective witness for Jesus. The evidence or sign that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit is to pray in tongues, but the purpose is to be an effective witness for Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 37 to 39, this is where Peter preached the gospel to the Jews after receiving the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Uh, and then in verse 38, he says, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 39, he says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Some people believe that praying in tongues is not for today. And if Peter said there, you know, after talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit, if he said in verse 39, for this promise is to you, then we could have believed that. Because that would have implied that that promise was only for the believers who lived at the time. But he went on to say, this promise is not only for you, but also for your children and also for everyone who is afar off to everyone who the Lord our God will call. Is God still calling people today? Is God still saving people today? Does God still want to reach people today? Absolutely. That means this promise is still for today. Let's not miss out on a promise that God has for us. And we saw in the word that when 
people in the book of Acts received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they started praying in tongues. And I just briefly want to talk about praying in tongues. In Acts 2 verse 4 it says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Jude 1 verse 20, I read this, this last week too, if, if you were here. It says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You want to build yourself up in what you believe? Praying in the Holy Spirit helps with that. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4, it says, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Do you want to be edified in life? Do you want to be strengthened? Praying in tongues helps with that. In Mark 16, where Jesus also gave a great commission, it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. So one of the signs that should follow us as believers is praying in tongues. You know, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit soon after I got born again, and it changed my life. It helped me to get greater revelation from the Word. I started understanding the Bible better. It helped me to hear the voice of God better. It helped me to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit more accurately, giving people words, prophesying over people, and it enriched my relationship with God. And you know, anything that comes from God will bless us, will enrich us. Let's not miss out on something that God has available for us. And I believe, according to the word, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is available to all. The only requirement is you need to be born again. But it's a separate experience from getting born again. It doesn't happen the moment you get born again. You need to ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And that leads me to the question, how do we receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit? We need to remember it's a gift. The Bible talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit, not the reward of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. How do you receive a gift? Freely. If you're born again, you can receive this gift. We also receive it by simply asking Jesus. If we ask Jesus for the Holy Spirit, do you think he's going to give us another spirit? Some kind of, of weird spirit or evil spirit? Absolutely not. When you ask Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we can also receive it through laying on of hands. Somebody doesn't have to lay hands on you, but it is a form of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But these three baptisms comprise the, the doctrine of baptisms. There's the baptism into the body of Christ where the Holy Spirit is the baptizer and the element we are baptized into is the body of Christ. Then there's water baptism. The baptizer is another believer. The element we are baptized into is water. Then there's the baptism in the Holy Spirit where Jesus himself, the head of the church, is the baptizer and the element we are baptized into is the Holy Spirit. It's the will of God for us to experience all these baptisms. And that's why the Bible talks about the doctrine of baptisms. And I want to give you an opportunity to receive today. If you'd like to be baptized in water, we have an opportunity on the 11th of February where we'll have a baptism service during our second service. So please go sign up if you'd like to get baptized in water. But today, you can receive a baptism into the body of Christ by getting born again if you don't know Jesus. And you can receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit today if you'd like to receive it. Can I please ask you to stand for a moment? And as you stand, please close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes and 
just focus on the Holy Spirit. Let's just, you know, make room for Him. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And if you came today and you're not sure that you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're not sure that you're born again, you haven't received His free gift of salvation and righteousness, today can be your day. If you'd like to receive Him, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand and I'm going to lead you into a prayer to make the most important decision in life, to say yes to Jesus. If that is you, can I please ask you to just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Please just raise your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask all of you to raise your hands just to pray after me. Just confess this with your mouth and just pray it from your heart. And I'm going to ask the rest of our church family to join them as a sign of celebrating with them. And let's just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Today I choose to receive you as my Lord and Savior. I receive your gift. I want to follow you. I want to belong to you. And thank you, Lord, for baptizing me now into the body of Christ. I receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And then if you came today and you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you don't pray in tongues, or you're not sure you are, and you'd like to receive it, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask Jesus, because I'm not the baptizer, but Jesus is. I'm going to ask Him to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Is there anyone here today that would like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Just raise your hand, please. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up everywhere. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. Your life will never be the same again. So we're going to ask Jesus to now fill you with our Holy Spirit. And as he does, I want us to pray in tongues together. We're not going to give a message in tongues, so it's, it's not necessary for a, an interpretation. We're just going to pray in our own personal prayer language. But I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. There's no pressure. Sometimes it comes. Sometimes it comes a bit later. But we see in the word that it's already in us the moment we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I do want to give you an opportunity to pray in tongues today. But I'm going to ask Jesus now, the baptizer, to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for everyone who raised their hands. Everyone who would like to receive a gift of the Holy Spirit today. We thank you for this incredible gift. How it helps us, enriches us, strengthens us, edifies us. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, as the head of a church... We ask you now in the name of Jesus to baptize these people in the Holy Spirit. Fill them with your Holy Spirit now in the name of Jesus. And, and Lord, 
based on what your word says by faith, we now receive it in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. I want us now to just take a minute and let's pray in tongues. And if you just received the baptism in the Holy Spirit for the first time, just speak in tongues by faith. You won't understand what you're saying. Your mind will not understand. The Holy Spirit won't force you. You still need to do the talking, even though it gives you the utterance. But open your mouth by faith and start praying in tongues. Thank you, Lord. I believe the Lord just wants to remind some of you that it's not about your worthiness. It's about the worthiness of Jesus. We don't receive this gift because of who we are. We receive it because of who Jesus is. And if we're in him, it's available to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Is there anyone who prayed in tongues for the first time today or experienced something tangible when we prayed for the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Praise God. Yes, we did. Praise God. Anyone else? Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Thank God for the Holy Spirit and what He offers us. I want to encourage you to practice it if you started praying in tongues or if you will start praying in tongues in the future. It's something you can do all the time. You can do it when you're driving. You can do it in your quiet time with God. You can do it whenever. And it's a wonderful gift available to all of us that will edify us in life. You know, somebody said to me once, you know, because we still need to do the talking, and he said, can you really put the Holy Spirit on and off like that? As in, you know, when you want to pray, you, you, you can pray. I said, well, the thing is, the Holy Spirit is always on. So when you're willing to pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit is there. He's always on. He will give you the utterance. He will pray through you. And one of the powerful things about praying in tongues is you can pray a perfect prayer because it's the Holy Spirit giving you the utterance. I don't know about you, but I don't always know how to pray about situations in my mind. But I know the Holy Spirit in me does. And when I pray in tongues, He prays through me, even though I still have to do the talking. But it will change your life. It will enrich your walk with God, your relationship with Him, and tell others about how it changed your life too. We thank God for our baptism in the Holy Spirit. But if you gave your life to Jesus today, please go to the corner there. There will be someone who will have a little booklet for you that will help you in your journey with Jesus. It will show you next steps. 
And also, if you want prayer, you can come. We'll have a ministry team here in the front. We would love to pray, pray for you. Even if you just want to ask something about the baptism in the Holy Spirit or you need somebody to help you pray in tongues, please join our wonderful ministry team here in the front. Thank you so much for joining church today. Remember, you are highly favored and deeply loved. God bless you.